When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yes, we've got Big Bob Malcolm on. How you doing, mate? All right? Good, mate. Yourself? Fine. Uh, you get the van packed, all right? Nice. Uh, it's outside the nerve you want to call. <laughs> Are you doing that, huh? No, no. no. <laughs> Somebody told me Mo Kamara was going to get a van and you were going to start up ice cream wars again. <laughs> Mo Kamara, some boy Mo was. <laughs> how did all that come about to the van? Was it your family had it? My family's had them for years. Uh, I've done it ever since I was, what, 12, 13. Just used to go and help after school and the holidays and stuff. So it's, it's always been in the family, so just I knew what I was doing, so... Enjoying it, huh? Yeah, it's, yeah. Bad, it's, some, it's a good laugh, yeah. it's good. Yeah. East End of Glasgow, so you're always, you're always getting the old uh, wisecracks with the young team and the old team. Uh-huh. And still playing with Nikos. <laughs> Nikos <laughs> FC bar. Now and again, now and again. Uh, it was a great deal, I go off from five-year deal, free baby every Saturday after the game, <laughs> so... I think Adam's regretting it now. Adam Cotty told you you're doing 25 point. Ah, no chance. He's at it, No isn't chance, it? But he says he's transformed your game. Turned you into number 10 and best playing the best football of your career? He, he has. The first couple of games I was getting goals away because I couldn't run back, so he's like, <laughs> get, get as far away from the goal as possible. But no, nah, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's a good good group of lads. Uh, turning up on a Saturday morning. Don't get me wrong, half eight in the morning, have to meet up. And I only half before games to do warm-ups and stuff. at the wind, innit? They're taking it far too seriously, aren't they? Yeah, How come you're still um, playing? Just love playing football? Nah, I just... I wasn't going to play. And then I was at a party one night and... And they cornered me and asked me if I'd play. Because I've been having problems with my, my ankle the last year. I've still played over 35 as well. But uh, I agreed to it and then turned up and I've enjoyed it. It's been a good laugh. Uh-huh, brilliant. Uh, and coaching as well with the Kelly Hearts, how are you getting on all right? Aye, we're doing, doing well. First couple of games, well, we started off well and then with a couple of uh, bad results. Uh, we've slipped in the league a wee bit, but we've picked up again. So Next year will be the year, isn't it, for, to go for the league? Aye, we're still, we're still there. The new, we're, I think we're nine points behind... Uh, Still six, seven games to go, so we're still, we're still hanging in. Uh, East Kilbride dropping points and us hopefully going on at the end of the season. Right, mate, on to the career. Where did you grow up in East End? I was brought up, uh, born in Preston. Uh, moved to Denison, then Springbrook for, uh, I think, since I was about four or five. Uh-huh. So, East End of Glasgow. Most always football, uh, nothing else? Nothing else. Since I was three, just always had a bottom of my feet. Had a, when I left school, when I left primary school, Secondary school had a paper on. Mum got a paper on and gave it to me. And then always had a ball with me. And I think that's why uh, 
I was decent at passing stuff. Used to take it and kick it in between like the hedges, use that as goals and uh, old bus stops and stuff. Uh, that, that's all I've done. What were you delivering the digger? The digger, no. That's <laughs> just recently the digger, no. But, uh, no, used to, even the times it used to be. Uh, used to get the old, the old moaning woman because I was late with the money and that for us. So uh, it was good. It's, it's, just, it's East End, everybody used to do it. Were you always a Rangers fan growing up? Aye, aye, ever since, well. Born into it, basically. My dad, my, my granddad was a Celtic fan, then my dad, or his family. Believe it or not, half my mum's family are Celtic fans, so. Is that <laughs> it? it was a. It's, over the years, it's been a bit up and down. So, was it just because of your dad? No, it was just. It was, well, I, because my dad was a Rangers fan, obviously, yeah. he's, he's brought me up the same. But uh, my mum's brothers, the oldest one's a Rangers fan, and the rest of them are Celtic fans, so. Yeah, that was been a good laugh over the years. And would they take you out of games when you're younger? No, my dad took me to games. My dad used to take me to watch training. Uh, never. To be fair, I went, I went to one Celtic game, Champions League, when they played Juventus. Just, I just wanted to see Juventus play, so I went and I had a fucking scarf and that tied in my face so that they could see me. <laughs> and I sat up when my uncle's season books were. Uh, that was the only game I've ever, I've ever been to. Uh -huh. No, but your dad took you to the Rangers games when you're younger? Aye. I think one of the first games I'd been to when I was younger was the. The Rangers Leeds game, the Champions League qualifier game. That was one of the first games I'd been at. So after that, I got the bug and started going every week. And uh, who spotted you at Rangers? Uh, you and Chester, the old scout. Right. He came, I was at uh, probably Blue Star, went to Wolves, and then because of both East End teams, Blue Star, when they released my contract to Wolves, I ended up having to go to Rangers Boys Club with Charlie's uncle Benny. Charlie, uh, Miller, uh, I, mm -hmm. I know Benny. Uh, so he, Benny, picked me up took me to Rangers and then I got uh, picked up for there with you in Chester. Was uh, the family buzzing, your dad? Aye, well, my, da my, dad never, my dad couldn't drive so he never really got to many games, he'd be working and stuff, so uh, my uncle John used to take me and Marty Charlene. Uh, so it was a big, probably oh, my career, the biggest people that I'd like to thank would be them, out with my mum and dad, because it wouldn't for them, I wouldn't be able to get to training and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but. Nah, that, that's how I got picked up. You and Kim, so did your dad not get club. a chance to go to the games and watch it? Well, he did. He never, he never came to training. He used to come to the games if it was depending when they were. Uh, but, as I say, he couldn't drive, so it was hard for him to get to places. Mm. Was he quite hard then. on you, your dad? No, no, he never, never, did, never told me to do anything football-wise. Uh, always sat back, relaxed. Probably over the years, my mum was the hardest. No, like, no hard, hard bit. If there was any punishment needed, handed out after like doing it wrong things at school and stuff, it was her. Uh, but no, he he was relaxed, never never pushed me, never did anything like that. Mm. Were you always a def uh, defender, midfielder? No, I, st I started off as a striker right. when I was younger. Is that how you got picked up for Rangers as a striker? No, I, I got picked up with Rangers Boys Club because uh, I played a game against them and they battered us 10 0. But uh, I played well and Benny had always said to like people, I would like to get him involved with us. But I was enjoying it, I was at Blue Star and it was, it was up the road for me. Uh, and then obviously my, a couple of my mates had went to Wolves and they had a, a great setup at the time as well, so I, I went there and they took me to Holland, paid everything for me. Uh, and then obviously the, the, the feud that they had between them, Blue Star and Wolves, I, I couldn't play, so that's the reason why I went to Rangers. Uh, and uh, who was in at the Rangers youth set up at that time? Was it Peter McDonald and guys like that? Peter was there. Uh, he was a character, huh? Aye, some boy. 
Some he, he <laughs> gamble, get, he's he's get so hard. Some boy. Over, over the years, to be fair, Pedro would have made it to the top if he wasn't so stupid. <laughs> Pedro said that about you, so bad. I know, I know. But uh, the, the story behind Pedro, I don't know if he's, if anybody's ever said this before, but Pedro was Pedro got brought in when he was uh, just turned fifteen to Rangers, but probably six months ahead of everybody else. Uh, training with the like the youth team and stuff. And uh, we had a night out one night. We were only kids, me and Pedro were only like 16, 17. And we went a night out with the, all the youth boys. And uh, we were in, remember the old Clyde Bar, Queen Street? No, I don't know, no. Oh, you're too young. <laughs> uh, we were in there having a couple of drinks. And uh, we were walking out and a guy, just a random guy, threw a, a sausage and it hit Pedro on the shoulder. <laughs> and he had a white shirt on and it was all tomato sauce. So he, he was raging, he was looking for this guy. And it was like a wee guy for Pollock, he was, he was trying to fight him. But all the older ones stepped in, like Mucker and that, like boys from Belfast. So they've, uh, they've chased the guy. And the guys ran around the street. And by this time, I'm still rolling about Queen Street laughing. And uh, Pizzo caught up with the boy and he kicked him. And he actually fractured a bone in his ankle, or a bone in his foot, kicking him. So ever since that, he'd never, he was out, always injured by a sore foot or a sore ankle. And I think if that never happened, he would have, he'd have definitely made it into Rangers first team. You think he'd have played for Rangers first team? Huh? That good? Well, that, for me, it was better. Stephen McLean made it, mm-hmm. came into Rangers first team, and I thought at that time, Pizzo was head and shoulders above him. Oh, he'll love you saying this, mate. You'll absolutely love it. Um, were they used to high standard at that time? You mentioned Stephen McLean, Pizzo. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised at the standard when you first went in? No, because me and Pizzo went early. We were, before they came in, we went, there was uh, Jimmy Gibson would have been there. Fergie had just been getting into the, he'd have just been signing pro contract then. So me, me and Pedro were, Pedro was a year probably ahead his time and I was six months. So we couldn't really sign a contract. We had to get permission for school to get let go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at that time it was just, most of the, the youth boys was like Frankie Haggerty, guys like that who, were, who went on and had decent careers. Uh, and then when we all came on board, it was Stephen McLean, Stevie Hughes, Moros, Alan McGregor, Mark Brown. Uh, Good players, eh? Everybody had reached a decent level, eh? Uh-huh. You've teamed as best days of your life? If, I don't know. It's hard, hard one, because under, under Bomber, it was strict. You couldn't really... We went out, but it wasn't like out every weekend. Or, you were scared to go out in case you get caught. Because mm-hmm. I, mem- I remember one night, uh, Barry Nicholson, he was in the youth team. He was a, a couple of years above us. And we get caught in a meeting one night. And oh, shit, but me and Peter were shitting myself. I didn't know what was wrong. And uh, at that time, John McGregor, Bomber, and the, oh, who's the other coach? He just left now. Okay, it'll come back to me. They had, they had all the boys in the dressing room, and uh, he asked, "Was them do it last night?" And I feel like, "No, no, no." So they knew, they knew that there was boys out, and it was the boys that stayed in the digs. And it was all, David Moyes' wife at the time had uh, stuck them in, <laughs> <laughs> so he knew, he knew who it was, but they never admitted it. So uh, all hell broke us, and uh, ever since that, every, everybody was kind of a shit scared, scared to go. Uh, How scary was Bomber as a young a young guy? It was at first it was scary because you, you knew what it was like as a player. Uh, you tell the, the stories for the older lads, but one, once you were in, after what six, the, as soon as you got by the first preseason, then it was brilliant. If if you liked you, then that was that was you. You were cruising. But if you didn't, then... Well, saying that, 
uh, every day I used to be late for training every day because I used to have to get the, the bus down the subway and uh, we had to used to be in for 8 o'clock so I think up at 6 o'clock in the morning try to get to training and with time if you, if you missed that underground then you were, you were late and the, we, were in, we were in the gym but I had to be in for 8 in the gym for 5 past 8 and I would run and buy the gym hopefully and he couldn't he wouldn't catch me <laughs> but he was always there so it was like 3,000 metres in the rowing machine before he even started training <laughs> but he, would, he, he, never, he never took any shit off him, Dave. even if, if he, he were one of his favourites, he was always hard on you if you'd if you done, never done things properly. Was his standard so high at him? Aye, he just came off the net. He was still playing, actually. He was still playing when he was a coach. He was still, still playing in the first team and taking the reserves in it. Uh, when, it when needed, he was, he was struggling with his Achilles. He was still playing the reserve games. How good is that for a young player, so a guy for the first team taking it? It was, it was brilliant. It was, uh, we also looked up to him as in... When we went to watch the games, he was always playing. Uh, and then to go and play in reserve games, especially when you're only 16. You're playing with guys like Stuart McCall, Durante, uh, John Brown. It's, uh, you could have nothing but learn with them. Uh-huh. Uh, Pizzo told you a story about you and him. Because you were too wide, you were made to clean the bus. <laughs> it wasn't just us, it was about five or sixes. And uh, Bomber decided that after, used to, back then you used to do your jobs. So Pizzo was the, the manager's room, like Walter Smith and that. Uh, I was a boot boy. There was a couple of guys that were on kit and stuff. So he said, right, you have done your jobs. Go and wash the bus. Oh, for fuck's sake, bomber, come on. <laughs> so I no, wash the bus. So we get made to wash the bus. So we're nearly done the bus. And then next minute, four cars have drove up. You get Walter Smith, Archie Knox, fucking bomber, John McGregor. Right, wash the man, sure done. And I'm like, fuck this, man. <laughs> so it's about four o'clock in the afternoon. Normally it should be him by now. So he made his washing motors. And then he's come down five o'clock or something. He's like, all right, that bus hasn't done right. So Peter's like, bomber, come on, we've been fucking, we've been doing this for about two hours now. He's like, I don't care, you're only leaving until that bus is done properly. So <laughs> I'm standing with the hose in my hand. And then I've been like, fuck it. So I've just started soaking him. I don't know why it made me do it. I just, just started soaking bomber. And uh, Peter was pissed himself laughing. So he's went like, oh, he's think that's funny. He said, drop the hose. I went, shit, he's going to bar me here. <laughs> and uh, he's like, give me about 10 paper towels. And he's like, follow me. And he walked all the way to Nybrooks, up the stairs, through all the sweets and all that. And he made me get in my hands and my knees and <laughs> clean the water, the water prints his feet behind him. <laughs> Uh, it was funny. Brilliant. That is some man. But see that wee cheeky side you had to drink bomber like like that on you. I, I think deep down he did, but he would never he'd never show it because he was always he, he never took any shit. Even our first team boys or like guys like Big Brian Reed who was played in the first team, but he was maybe training the reserves at the time. Is that Big Brian Reed that was a tsunami in it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. We used to come back in the bus. We used to to go on the bus, travel to Western Scotland Cricket Club, and train there, and then travel back. But they used to, like, you've got guys like Mucker, Darren Fitzgerald, uh, Paul McKnight, who were always laughing and joking. They used to, after on the bus, they used to take the, the water bottles off, the, the tops off them, and scale everybody in head with them. <laughs> so he done it to Big Brian Reed, and uh, Big Reed went half his nut, and uh, he stopped the bus. He's like, right, used to, right, the roundabout at the end of Govan, uh-huh. walk back to the stadium. And they're like, ah, we can't bomb, we can't walk through there, it's mental. So we'll end up getting a down. I said, I don't give a shit, I got out. Kicked him out the bus and made them run back, back. to the stadium. <laughs> uh, through, what is it, Dremoyne and stuff. Uh-huh. 
So I think a few of them, that's what, after that they shut their cell. So just so, named they would throw the water bottles anymore. <laughs> in case they get made to run back for training. Brilliant. Uh, see, just in your position, obviously you're a centre midfielder in Barry Ferguson, you said with a couple of year olders. See, when you seen him break into the, the first team, that gave you a wee bit of belief that, that you could do. I will. But even even before that, there was a bit of belief because, like myself, Morris Ross, Pizzo, even training with the youth team, like the it was it was crazy. I used to the first team used to train and see if you had like kind of a niggling injury. They used to go out and collect the balls and stuff. And I can remember, uh, you know, like I had I can't remember what was wrong with me. I had something wrong. I saw a back or something. So I got sent up to collect balls, and. Uh, Something happened to one of the, I think it was Richard Goff or something, they came off injured and they didn't have any players. So Artie Knox was like, to me, Bob, come here. I'm like, what is it? He's like, you need to go on. We're short in numbers. I said, I can't, I'm injured. Do you want to fucking play for Rangers? <laughs> I'm like, aye. He's like, get on then. So I was, I was like, fuck, put the bib on, runs in, starts training. And uh, big, they get a free kick, the other team gets a free kick and Big George hits it. Hits me square right in the face. And I was like, fuck, so he gets back to Ibrox. I'm still dozing about. Big guy's packed my face. And Bono's like, ah, what the fuck happened to you? I went, oh, George had a free kick and it hit me in the face. Oh, Bert's this is? Aye. Wow. So he's, he's like, so why did you get hit in the face with the ball? And I said, well, Archie told me to train. I told him I was injured, but he told me to train. So I was the one to get in trouble because I never had the balls to say Archie, no. You were injured? Aye, but uh, I, knew, I knew then, sort of, around about that time, that there was a chance for the, because they were always bringing kids in and letting them train them, giving them a wee bit, even if it was for 10 minutes and then putting them back out. Uh-huh. What but, was Archie Knox like? Archie was brilliant, but he was, he was worse than Bomber. He was really hard. Even he was, young kids could do, never do anything right. Uh-huh. He was always on your case. But it made, it made, us, it made everybody who they were. Would you be nervous training with the first team? Because you never knew. You were you're always just... You weren't actually going up there to train with them. You are just going up to collect balls and then you were just in for five minutes and then back out. Uh-huh. So you, were, you never had the time to think about it. You were just in and then... But it was a problem the way you'd done it. And then I used to always... Archie and Walter used to have a, a head tennis tournament at Ibrox. And uh, that was another thing. Every, all the jobs would be done and you used to have to wait for the two of them. You could be sitting there at six o'clock at night going, for fuck's sake, hurry up, man. <laughs> and uh, we were all sitting with our clothes on. Ready to go home, shot and tie, ready to go home. And uh, somebody would, one of the first team boys or the coaches would go like, right, I'm, I need to go. So they were still wanting to play. They'd be like, right, Bob, go and get your kit on. <laughs> like, what? Go and get your kit on, you're playing with the tennis. I'm like, oh, shit. And if it wasn't me, it was Pizzo or somebody else. Uh-huh. So we had, well, sometimes it was 7 o'clock at night, not getting out of the eyebrows because they were playing with the tennis. Because the manager and assistant mm-hmm. manager playing each other head tennis? Yeah, How and was it, the was, standard? It was, oh, it was unbelievable. Was it good, huh? Really good. Were they two good players or something? Competitive. They used to play together and then they would play against each other. But it was really competitive. See, if you were on the team and you made a mistake, would they go through it? Uh? Oh, it was always your mistake. Even if you'd done something brilliant, <laughs> he would take the blame. He would go like, oh, I knew that was, that was me that won that for his there and all that. But that's amazing to me, like, the manager and the assistant manager, the first team of Rangers, mm-hmm. playing head tennis with, with the youth team. You would never see that now, eh? No, no chance. But as I say, that was, that was all. And even... You, gave, you got the respect for the, you gave the first team respect because of who they were and what they, they were doing. It was nine, like nine in a row season when we were all doing our, our jobs and stuff. And uh, you would never just walk into the dressing room if you didn't have to. You would, we would be thinking about the boot room and stuff. And then if, you, if they needed their boots or whatever, they would shout in. But, uh, who would gay, who in the first team when you used to go in the dressing room would gay about? All of them. Everybody, like, they, they would kick you up the arse and they would do a slap you. 
right, go and make you go to the bank for them and fuck, they would just do stupid things just to get you to go and do something for them. But did you like that being inv- in, in a bit of them? Aye, because it, it, got it got you involved in it. They were, even though they were taking a piss out, you go and get this, used to do the old go and get as the long standing that from the front door and stand there like a dick for a new <laughs> tap and paint all the old ones. Brilliant. And, uh, but as I say, it, it got you, you knew them better and once you're comfortable then that was it when you were training with them it was even better just on Bomber again I don't know if you watched Moros's interview but he said that Bomber would always say to him uh, Big Bob's better than you <laughs> did you did you, you realise that he was doing that to Mo and would he do something similar with you? By, Bomber would do, this, do that with Mo and John McGregor would do it with me right so the both of them I, I don't know if they meant to do it but it was a thing that they'd done because the both of us were playing the same positions and and it was weird because when Dick Abicat came, we were still with the youth team and uh, he would always take somebody up training for the youth team to train with the first team. And at the start it was always me and Mo. One is training in that, he would go one week and I'd go the next. So we never really knew what was happening, if he liked tennis or whatever. And then one week none of us went and big, remember Big Andy Dewey? Uh-huh. Big Dewey. He, he got sent up. What do you mean all that? Fuck's sake, you must not like us. <laughs> and then uh, started panicking and then the next minute we're, the both of us were just through th- and playing the first team. Uh-huh. Is that the thing at Rangers and big clubs, is it just that mental side that all the time you're just constantly thinking, does he like uh, me, does he mm-hmm. not like me, am I good enough? I think when uh, the younger, when you're younger, uh, that was it. it. was once you got over the mental toughness of the, like dealing with Bomb and John McGregor, because they were always on your case. Uh, n- no leaving at five o'clock at night until you, your job's done. Even, I, I'm sure Bomber used to go in, like, every boot had to be on their peg. I'm sure Bomber used to go in and just Move them all flick them off and <laughs> they were on the flare so that he could stay in for longer. Uh, but w- once you got over that stage, then it was, the football took care of itself because the team that we had run at that time was... See, when you and Mo are, like, in that competition to get to the first team, can you still be pals or is it...? Yeah, no, but we're always, always pals. Oh, yeah. it, it didn't bother us because both of us were playing and we were winning every week. We're, the youth team were doing well, the 20s, well, the reserve league it was back then, were doing well. Uh, and the both of us knew if we, were, if we were going to get in the first team, then we had to do, we had to work together to get in there. Uh, obviously for Mo, Mo, Mo was a lot quicker than me pace-wise, so he, he got his opportunity right back. And then as soon as he got in, he never really looked back, so... Uh, that, that's when it kind of a went, I went centre-half in, in midfield. Um, more played right back because it suited him better. Uh-huh. He said that Jan Wouters was one of his biggest influences as well. Would, would he be been the same for you? Oh, definitely. Jan was, he's probably the best coach I've, I've worked with. Uh, and he never really, never, nothing was ever done, uh, how can I say it, like it was never complicated anything. It was a simple passing drill. His technique, coach, coaching techniques were uh, simple. He used to, you knew that Jan cared about you when he, when he asked you to stay back. Uh, like if it was a day off or something, he used to come in and say, like, come in and I'll, I'll be a wee bit with you for an hour. Just one-on-one? Just one-on-one. Like, even if it was... Like, I don't know if he, if he knew that Barry was leaving. It was around about the time when all the stuff was happening with Barry, like the Champions League and stuff, and he was, like, he was getting touted for going down to England. And uh, he used to say to me, like, right, stay behind this, this afternoon. And I was like, far I've already trained. Just stay behind. And he used to take me and it was just simple, like pass the ball to him, I'd open my body and ping it. He said, if you go into midfield, this is what you're going to need to do, this is the way we want you to play. And he just worked on it for about half an hour, even though it was, it was boring. 
but it just made me hit like 60, 70 balls into a, like a wee square. And then he said, that, that's all you need to do. If you're playing in the midfield, that's all you need to do. That's brilliant, eh? Mm-hmm. See, when you were in that youth team and you said Barry Ferguson was playing in the first team, was he the guy that you looked up to? No, it was, it was strange. You'll, you'll love you saying this, wouldn't it? It was strange with Barry because my dad and his dad worked together. Right. Yeah, so... When the Loudon? And the well. And the Loudon. And, <laughs> <laughs> I had drinking partners in the Loudon. <laughs> uh, well, they, used to, they used to do the roofing together. And uh, so Barry used to pick me up. Oh, did he, right? Uh, he, was my, he was my driver. <laughs> and uh, he used to pick me up in Edinburgh Road. And then I used to have to get the bus at the underground back because he left early. Uh, Never been waited on you? No, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> Never let him forget it. Uh, but, so being pal with him, even though I was young, when he when he got into the first team, then it's like, right, it's a push where everybody's getting a chance now. It's, if, if Barry can get in, then a few can get in, then Barry Nick got in, and then we're like, well, if Bass can get in, then it's definitely. As soon as Dick came, he was, he was getting you know, the kids' chances. And uh, as soon, soon as that happened, then I, there was a belief that everybody could get in. Would Barry help you in your game? Would he give you wee tips and things that you were maybe weren't doing well that he's seen that you could do that better? No, because when, when he was already in the first team, I, I didn't play my two at that point. Right. I was playing uh, set and a half. And uh, probably the ones that I looked up to was, as you mentioned more of Ross earlier, Craig Milbrus, the one. Because uh, we, we were all four or five as we had the same agent, so we were always running about each other. And... Uh, he was the one that used to take me, take me aside and say, look, maybe we need to do that a wee bit better if we're going to play in the first team or whatever. And uh, if you took it on board, you had an option, you took it on board, but you didn't. If you didn't, you never got in the first team. Uh-huh. Was there any that, w- that went the other way and were, were really tough on you and you found he's a break for two minutes? No, no, there was nothing. Uh, you get left to your own. As soon as you got into the first team, they knew you were good enough. Uh, so you get left to your own devices. Oh, like Ronald DeBoer, he was an unbelievable player, but he used to always try and tell you what to do. I'm like, for fuck's sake, Ronnie, you're not even a centre-half. How the fuck can you tell me to play centre-half? You're not even a centre-half. But he, Ronnie was unbelievable. He, he used to... You were scared to eat in in front of him. He'd like, have a... He'd walk in, you would be eating scrambled egg, and he'd like, what are you eating that for? For fuck's sake, it's breakfast. <laughs> the next day, you'd have a, a croissant with butter on it. What are you eating that with butter on it for? Well, for fuck... <laughs> what are you meant to eat? But he was always... I don't know if he'd done it just to have a laugh, but he would, he would say it with a straight face. But, uh, and do you not say he was the best best player? Oh, I would say probably over a period of time, Fergie was the best player. But a short a short period of time over two a year two years, Ronald the board was unbelievable. Oh, and training that ridiculous. Oh, training, and remember he only had half a knee. He couldn't he couldn't bend his knee properly. Uh, but training games used to. Tight games, we'd end up winning for now because he put the afterburners on. And his team would up with his team always winning training, huh? No, if you kicked him, that was a good thing. If you kicked him, then he didn't want to know. So would you put him in so training, you, huh? Uh, you would just, you would, him shot Avalazzi, two of the guys that were unbelievable at finishing. If you kicked him, then he didn't want to know. So that's what you had to try and do if you, were, if you go close to them, that is. But uh, it was, that was, a, that, that time period of time, you couldn't get near any of the two of them. So when was it that you went from being a youth team player to a permanent fixture training with the, the first team every day? Uh, well, it was, it was it nearly never. I nearly never went into the first team because I played in a charity game, Shettleson Juniors, and uh, <laughs> Dick Avocat was still the manager. 
A Shepperson Juniors? <laughs> I thought that season they should have been the manager of Shepperson Juniors. <laughs> uh, but there was a, I ended up getting caught in a fit. A boy tackled me and he, he tried to smash me, like tackled me and ran about the knee. And we ended up fighting. So it, got, it made it into the, the papers the next day. And uh, Dick went off his nut and he's like, yeah, that's sure you never play for Rangers again. I was like, fuck's sake, that's a bit strong. So to be fair to Billy McNeil, I'd never met Billy McNeil before. He'd done a page, a bit in the paper the following day, saying it's a bit drastic and all that. He's a kid, he's doing it, it was for charity. Uh, he gave him a chance. And, uh, but Dick was adamant, that's it, done. So my agent at the time was John Viola, I think he just took over Clyde Bank. And they had arranged a game with Wigan. So they got permission to go for me to go down, me and uh, the Celtic goalie, Stuart. Kerr. Stuart Kerr. Me and him went down and played in it. Derek Ferguson was, I don't think he was a coach at the time. And he uh, goes down and plays in it. Both of done well. So, well, that was happening. But the manager was Paul Joe at the time. And that big jig in that with her. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, no, I, we like him, but we can't take him to play too much football. No, so I like <laughs> So I had to go back to Rangers, uh, training with the kids. Because at that time I was training with the first team of the time. Uh, I had to go back to train with the 20s. And uh, obviously got, he left and Alec came in. And as soon as he came in, they came in and said to me, look, I understand your situation, but we've got a couple of injuries, I need you to come in and play. And I went, fuck, brilliant. And I went and played the last, I don't know, it was 10, 11 games of the season. Uh, done well, and then signed a new contract. So you think if Dick Advocate stayed, you'd have been away, you wouldn't have played for England? I'd have been away, aye. Do you think he was raging that you were Big Bob and he was wee Dick? But did you ever, did you try and argue your point to Dick Advocate or was it just, he's told you that and that's it, done? No, that, that was the thing with Dick, you couldn't, you couldn't speak to Dick. He would never, it was just his way, that was it. He was, it was true what they all said, the wee general. Don't get me wrong, I, I loved his training. They gave me my chance in the first team. But obviously I was glad that he left or I, I wouldn't have got the chance to play mm -hmm. the games that I did play and the, the experiences I had. But uh, it was just, it was, it was a weird one. See, just a wee last bit on your mate Fergie. See, even when he was that young age and he was in the first team, was he still moaning at the big no, players? And, or was it only as he got older? No, no, he was unbelievable. He was... Always, always on your case. Training, always on your case. Uh, games, even games that you were winning four and five now, he was, he was always fucking. You're not, you're not doing that. Give me the ball. I'll fucking calm down. And that, that, that was him. He's he never even when he was a, when he's a manager, he still, he still got that in him. That when somebody does something stupid in the party, he's, he'll go off his nut. Yeah, that's never going to leave him. What did what the big Dutch players not think about a wee guy from Glasgow shouting balls and screaming at them? It was the same as everybody. Just it was they knew what he was like. He was he was a man possessed, especially for that ninety minutes or the training session. That's what he was like. After that, then it, you you couldn't have met a nicer guy. Mm. It was it was crazy. Uh, like I know what he doesn't he doesn't get involved with a lot of people because it obviously doesn't. He's got his pals and he's got his like people that he knows that he, that he likes to get with and stuff. But uh, and that's how you get you get you hear people saying to him, saying about him, oh, he's he's arrogant, he's ignorant because he no, no speak to him. It's it's not that. It's just he doesn't he doesn't like getting involved with getting like things like that where people come 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 back to him and say, oh, fucking done this, you done that, whatever. 
keeps yourself yourself as a family life, man. Uh-huh. He's a family man. He's always been like that, uh, and that's what's made him the player that he was. Uh, we'll just go back to two thousand to your debut. That must have been the, the proudest moment of your career, now. It was. What well, was it? Was it was up there? Uh, the the one thing I when I when I started playing at Rangers, see, because I was there for a young age, it became normal that you were involved. You done all the the things that happened at Rangers. It became normal. You used to go even like the night in the road team was winning trophies, you, you were always there at the after parties and stuff. They used to take all the youth teams well, and their families. It? So you go and you get in on about it and go out to see them celebrating and stuff. And it, and it drove you on. And uh, I can always remember my, my both my, my grandparents, they, they were both Rangers fans, so it was for me to go and play and make my debut at that time before they'd passed away then. It was, it was that's what I'd always wanted. I wanted that. that to, so they got to see you make your debut? And that's what... That's what I always wanted, to be fair. I, I knew my, my dad wanted me to do it. Uh, and for, for that to happen, then I was, I was happy. Right. See, at the after party, did anyone slip me a wee beer in it? No. No. No, it was... We were, we were only kids. We were Sometimes, like, when it started, it, when you went into Rangers early, early on, uh, maybe 14, 15, that's when they were taking you into the games, uh, taking you to cup finals. Taking your parents, then after parties, you could, you'd Richard Goff would come back in with the trophy, and then there'd be a, like, a sing song and stuff. Yeah, and it got you hungry for it, to be fair. Uh, you wanted that. Uh, see, on the debut, did you know you were going to play? Or was it just, no. were you warming up? I, it just, I we were running. Uh, uh, I can't remember the score, I think we were. I think we were running, and uh, it was me, I think Van Bronckhurst was on the bench as well. Wow. And he told the two of us to warm up, and I'm like, oh, I'm never getting on here if he's fucking get warming up. <laughs> and uh, he dicks like to me, like, come on. What did he give you the old? He's, he's like, come here. So, when the both is running, so I was like, oh, keep my spigot on. And he's like, right, get ready. And I was like, right. he's like, right, get ready. So I already had my strap on, so I took my tap off, and that was it. And Stevie Carson, who used to beat Rangers, Charlie Muller, Big Tomo, they were all playing for Dundee United at the time. And, uh, I was just itching to go on and I knew Stevie Carson, the way he played, I was itching to go on and kick him because I was going at right back. And uh, <laughs> I was like, right. And it, I never even thought about it, it just went on. It was only for five minutes, but it was the atmosphere. My, could, my legs were like jelly, jelly huh? trying to run. I was tripping over my own feet and stuff. It was, it was a nightmare, but it was what an experience. Is it, can you remember again? Was it a bit of a blur? No, I can remember. I can remember uh, going on because I can remember Charlie came out to me and saying, well done. Uh, your Charlie debut. Miller, Aye, because obviously I grew up with Charlie through his Uncle Benny. He's like, well done. And uh, I was just like, because it was, it was that time the stadium was packed. And uh, just thinking to myself, fuck, yeah, eventually I've, I've played it and I've played yeah. the first What time. about the dressing room after it? People congratulating you for the Rangers team and mm-hmm. manager? Everybody, to be fair, they came up. Uh, I can't it was, wasn't that, it was, a, it was a game after that. It was my first start against Kilmarnock. And uh, it's the same, I'd played it right back. And I heard all the stories coming out of Kilmarnock that, uh, in fact, Coyster and Durante were at Kilmarnock at the time. And uh, they were saying, ah, we've got wee Alec Burke, he's going to the with you. And I'm going, oh, shit, he's fast as fuck. He's going to fucking, how am I going to play against him? So it was, it was a year, the only way I knew how to play at that time was get on the ball and win, like, tackle. If yeah. somebody's got it, and you tackle him. If he, if he gets up after it, then but he knew that it'd always be there. And to be fair, we'd, after, I think we were one and two after about 10 minutes, and uh, it was just a cruise for then, like George Alberts and that. And Claude Urena was, he got man of the match. 
and he came up after the game, gave me his bottle of champagne. So I was like, brilliant. Did he? Went back to the pub after, and I was like, ooh, <laughs> shaking it a bit. But it's one of the things I should probably have kept. Kept a high daft bastard. Uh, young and stupid as usual, just fucking opened it in the pub and started spraying it on my dad and it. See, when you say the names, some top players, eh? Reina, Albert, was that a, was that a top Rangers team? <clears> mm hmm. How did you feel playing with those? Did you just give them the ball? No, I just, I, I knew it was, as I said earlier, when you came up, you were taught to play a, a certain way. It was like, you had to be able to see to play at Rangers and Celtic, you need to be able to handle the crowd. It's no how good a player you are. If you can handle that aspect, of it, then the football side takes care of it. That's easy, but it's just, if you're having a bad game, can you go and still contribute to the team? And could you do that? Yeah, well, you had, you had to, you had no choice. I knew that I'd, I had to perform in training every day especially under Alec McLeish, because I knew that the players that were coming in, even if the, there was always every transfer window, they, they were always bringing a centre half in or a centre midfield. So I was like, oh, fuck's sake, that's me going to need to battle, battle with somebody else. Uh, so I, I had to, every training session I had to be there, I had to perform. To it, uh -huh. And mo most of the time I was, obviously there's was, there was times that I, I wasn't. Uh, but at that time, the, the players that were there, if, if you were having a bad game, you just give the ball to them and they would, they would do the rest. So, when Dick left, honestly, were you, were you delighted? No, I wasn't delighted. I didn't know my own situation at the time, but uh, obviously the club weren't doing great. Uh, we were some, I think we were fucking 18 points behind Celtic or something, and that's why he stepped in. Uh, then when Alec came in, he gave me the chance. So, in a way, I was glad that he'd done it when I looked back on it, but it was, it was good for me, gave him my chance. Uh -huh. See, when Alec first came in, did you think, right, I, I'll get a chance now or I'll still be banished? No, no, I didn't. I, I still thought that I'd do see it out to the end of the season then. Uh, probably, I'd, I'd been speaking to like Jim Jeffries, the manager at Kamalik at the time. Uh, Bobby Williamson was, I can't remember where he was. Or did we see the manager at Kamalik? I, I can't remember, but I, I'd spoke to the both of them. And they were saying, like, we want you to come. And I said, right, well, I need to make a decision at the end of the season. And then, obviously, getting in the team. Alex had basically said to me, look, you've got eight, <coughs> but I think it was eight or nine games, something like that. Uh, you've got to prove me. You've got to prove to me in that, the games that you deserve a contract. And uh, at that time, we knew that we were never going to catch up in the league. So, they was giving everybody a chance, like myself, Billy Dodds, who wasn't really playing a lot, Stevie Hughes, Mo Ross. We were all, I think one of the one of the games we played against Kilmarnock, and it was apart from Lorenzo Amoruso, every other player was Scottish. And we won 5-0. And then the place was buzzing. Uh, the, the only thing that I, at the end of that season was we, we played the cup final. And Craig Mill was he, he was the one that I came in for because he was injured. And uh, he made it back for that cup final. You got paid, and I got paid. <laughs> but uh, I say it was still great. It was it was great for me because I knew I'd sign my contract, so I wouldn't really give him a shit. <coughs> I knew that I was there. I was going to be there for another two years at least. Was that tough though? See, playing the last seven <coughs> games or eight games, whatever you said it was, knowing that you're being judged and there was a good chance that if he didn't do well, you'd be at the door. No, because I, I knew it was it was on me then. It wasn't. I didn't have to rely on anybody else. I knew it was it was how I performed. There was no pressure because we weren't going for the league title then. The only thing that we could do was uh, with the Scottish Cup final. And uh, as I say, Craig came back, I think he came back like 
two or three days before the final and the gaffer played him, which was he was right to do because I think that game we got mad in match and uh, we won the game. And I was thinking to myself, surely if, even if he does come back, I'm going to sneak onto the bench. But Tony Vidmar was there at the time, he could play anywhere. So I was like, oh, fuck's sake, it was your luck. In the stand? So I got me and uh, a couple of other younger boys get put in the stand. And, but it was still, it was an experience being involved in the dressing room before the game and that, a big Scottish Cup final against Aberdeen, so it was massive for us. Uh, so how does life change when you, you finally get in and you're part of the Rangers first team? Uh, it changed because after, after that year, obviously, during the pre-season, uh, I knew that there was, there was a chance because it was only me, Craig Moore, Lorenzo Amoruso and Bert Connerman that was all fighting out for that position. And the gaffer had already said that he was thinking about changing to go to a back three. So I went, well, three out of the four is going to play, so at least going to be involved all the time. And uh, so I had it in my head that I was going to be involved. I worked hard the pre-season, even though that was the worst part of the, the season for me. I didn't never like pre-season. Uh, got in, never got into the team at the start. Uh, and then once I got in, played a few games, then you were back out, back in, back out. It was just it was kind of a stop start season. Uh, and then that, I think that was that, that was the first year that the 2003 one, I mean, won the treble. Uh-huh. But it started, uh, as I say, pre season. But that, I story, the story I tell everybody, and they don't believe me. Actually, that pre-season, we had uh, there was six or seven days travelled in the same car together. It was me, Stevie Hughes, uh, Morris Ross, no, he wasn't there. Me, Stevie Hughes, Craig Moore, Fergie, Kevin Muscat, five is. They bubble? From, like, me and Stevie stayed in Mullow, uh, Fergie and Oz stayed in Hamilton, and we picked Muscat up in Bordeaux. So after training, somebody said Shandy time. No, that was the fuck Shandy time. So we had to go to the Bovo Bridge, a couple of shandies. Then the next day, somebody said it again. So it became a rule. If anybody said that after training, you had to go to the Bovo Bridge for a couple of pints. Every day pre-season, we went to the Bovo Bridge. <laughs> I'm no joking, every day pre-season. And uh, we went to New York, uh, a trip for two weeks. And every day in pre-season over there as well, we went to the bar after training because the gaffer used to walk back. Uh, so we got two or three pints in there. And one day we get caught. I don't know if he's not, but if you go on every day, drinking, to then go and win the treble at the end of the season was... So even guys like Ferguson and Moore would take a couple of pints every day? Aye, they, they, the, they were the instigators, to be fair, him, Kevin Muscat, that was his first first season. What, what was Muscat like? Because he seemed like a screwball. No, nice guy. Was he? Uh, on the pitch and off the pitch. He was an animal, wasn't he? Uh, he was uh-huh. Jekyll and Hyde, on the pitch he was fucking mental. Uh, off the pitch you couldn't have met a nicer guy. Did you love that, drinking with the first team boys and that as a young boy? I was, I said earlier, like, because we had the same agent, we were always in a boot. We had maybe, like, nights out together or whatever. So I was, I'd was already been out with them, but that was probably the first time where you're spending every day with them. Like, Sitting telling you stories, isn't it? Aye. Well, because you, you're in full time as well, you hear the stories, so you, you'd know most of them, but to be to be in that group of people travelling in that, that every morning to training and back, and uh, doing what we did that season, it was dreams. Was it bar 48 as well, I heard? Yeah, bar 48, aye. That was, that was another story. <laughs> no, I tell you that one. <laughs> but see, just on Alec McLeish, obviously, he was a centre-half himself. Um, did that help you? Well, maybe a Scottish manager who was a centre-half, he, um, he seen something in you? Yep, 100%. He, 
same as Jan Vickers. Uh, Alec used to take me as well. The manager would training. take you for one mm-hmm. Used to, I think the, the thing that he said that I used to have to work on was defending cross balls. So he used to take me out and he used to go out the wider area and like cut back and whip balls into the box and I used to go after either of them. Fucking after about 20 times you're like, oh, fucking hell. Especially when you did five pints. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for him to take the time out as well to go and do that was, I thought was was brilliant to him. It used to, and then he got something installed in the, the youth side where it was like a big, big basketball net, but it didn't have the bit on it. It was like that rope tied to it. And then there was a fucking ball dangling. So he used to put it to different heights and they wouldn't be happy until you could jump that height to hit the ball and things. So it was, I think, I think stuff like that, wee small things that used to take you and do that, it, it made you better. Did you always believe you were better than like Amoruso and, and Moore and guys like that? Did you, did you, you confident in yourself that you could play hidden? No, not at the start. I was confident and I, I knew that I could, I was a better football player than both of them, as, i.e. like playing wise. <laughs> but I wasn't a better defender than Craig Moore. And, Ammo was a beast, he would won every header and fucking hit shots for the halfway line and stuff. And the fans loved him, so I, I knew that it was, it was always going to be hard to, to sludge both of them. But uh, I got myself in a position where I knew if one of them were injured, then I was the one that was stepping in. Uh, see, just on Fernando there, you mentioned. Uh, how big a character was he? Fernando was brilliant. A lot of people didn't like Fernando because he was straight to the point and he told you how it was. And to be honest, no, nobody really knew he got... I know there was a big bit in the paper about when he got done for the drink driving. There was a lot of stuff in it, and uh, but nobody really knew that he was taking tablets because he, he was like depression and stuff and mm-hmm. things that had already happened in his life before that that we never knew about. And uh, and he took he took to the drink, but it it, it was all hidden. Nobody really knew. And then it after he came out and said, "Look, I've been taking like antidepressants and stuff like that," and. The, the boys then said, well, maybe that's why like having the mood swings and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he, he was a great guy. See, when Fergie left, that, he, he took another step as well, mm-hmm. as a player-wise, because he, he really struggled with Dick. Uh, the game he got took half after about 25 minutes at Parkhead with Bobby Petter. Uh, that, that hurt him hard. And then he kind of struggled for a wee bit, but after, as I say, like Barry left, he, he got pushed into midfield more and uh, the well, they huh? took the captaincy and then obviously... After that, he was flying mm-hmm. for the next two or three seasons. He's a warrior, wasn't he? He was. He was. He was. He was always there. If I had a tough game, he would always be the one putting the boot in and want to fight and scrap for everyone. And and everybody joined in. With. Mm-hmm. Uh, final day, two thousand and three. You were on the bench. Was it nerve? One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Backing that day, it was. It was. I can remember uh, getting into the game. I think we we knew that we were confident that we could beat Dunfermline. Obviously, how many goals we had to score, we didn't really know, but we'd find that out off the fans. Uh, but then to get the shock when Barry Nick put one in the top bin after a couple of minutes, we were all like, oh, shit, what's going to happen now? And uh, to go and then absolute batter them probably should have been more at the end of the day. Uh, the, the, when we got the penalty, that was the most that was nerve wracking bit because that season, but Barry was a penalty taker. And we, play, we played Dundee, and there was wasn't there many games left, and Fergie missed two penalties. We got three penalties in the game, and Fergie missed two of them, and we, we ended up drawing a game three each. And Arteta stepped up to to score the third penalty. Which, and that's what kind of a tip to tide a wee bit. Then Celtic started coming back and then our ball kind of a crashed. And then obviously that's what brought, brought the, the end of the season game when us and Dolphin and them come on up. But we were confident that we could uh, score more goals than what Celtic could uh, also play at Ibrox. Uh, were, were you keeping up the date with the Celtic score on the bench? <clears throat> no, no. It was, the fans were, every time like Celtic scored, you could hear a oh, and then we'd got the part and score, and then they would score, and then we got the part and score. But I think, I don't know if it was one goal or two goals that, that finished the end of the season, the difference, but uh, it was tight up until the last couple of minutes, and then they really knew what way it was going to go. Uh-huh. And then the final whistle went. How big a buzz was that? Well, I, I, I don't know. Nobody really knew what was happening because we didn't know the, the result at Kilmarnock yet, and we knew that they had, there was a penalty, and we didn't know that they had missed it. So we, at that time, people were saying, oh, they've scored again, and things like that. And uh, then they really know. And then obviously the gaffer came on. And he's like, ah, "The game's done. That's it. The league's won." And then it was just a big party celebration. I think that <clears throat> after that game, it was uh, obviously the, the relief. But the, the biggest thing was that nobody wanted to go. Didn't want to go like by separate ways. And everybody wanted to stay together. And they actually ended up like the club hadn't organised it. And. and uh, they actually, all the boys, like the guys that travelled in the, the minibus together, the van together, uh, a few of the farm lads, they'd all arranged to go to the district and be with the fans. And, and that's what we've done. We, after we had a couple of drinks in the, at the stadium, and we've walked out of Ibrox to go to, along, along Pairs Road West, <laughs> and we got stopped by a police fan. And we're like, oh no, what's <laughs> happening here? The Oddbird Club suits on. And then they get the police said to us, where are you going, lads? I'm like, just going to walk along to the district. And he's like, he's kind of walking along here, it's Bedlam. So every pub's mobbed, he's all get fucking killed. And uh, we're like, well, how are we going to get there then? And we're like, right, jump in the back. No way. So we took it in the back of the police van, dropped us off at the district, with it, and then it was just fucking, it was, it was mental. Brilliant. Did it mean more because you, you played a big contribution that year? The what? Does it mean so much more because you made such a big contribution that year? Mm-hmm. That, that, was, that was a big thing for me as well. So playing, coming in and playing like five, six games, then getting out, getting out for the thing. I played, I played a decent amount of games that season. 
obviously we won won the league. Uh, and the big thing is we were all in the piss for days and we still didn't realise that the, the cup the cup final was the following week. So it was it was mental. But see, it was history, isn't it? See when you were getting steam in the days we used did anyone at any time say, by the way, we've got a, a cup final coming up? No. <laughs> No, it wasn't even mentioned there. No, never once mentioned. Why is it just the buzz of winning a league? Is it so <coughs> so big that you? No, I, I think it was actually just relief. Uh, Being under pressure, we were under we were under pressure every game. But I think for the last month of the season, it was like real pressure. Celtic were picking up points. We were drawing points. Uh, so we're, we're under the cosh. See, uh, when you're under that pressure, can you still enjoy it, or is it is it just trying to grind at results every week? It's just grinding it. You enjoy the training, but it was like Saturday, Monday to Friday was brilliant. The Saturday came, you're like, shit, was, what team's going to turn up today? Mm-hmm. And uh, and we knew, we knew we had the firepower, it was, that was always there. The players was always there. It was just, even the better players like Ronald De Bourne, that, they, were, they were feeling it. It was incredible. You, you wouldn't think players like that would get, especially coming to Scotland and playing, but it, it, get, it got to them. And, uh, and I think after, after that game, that was... That was a realisation for them that it was uh, just everybody, even them who didn't, don't really drink much, everybody just went into a piss See, Alec McLeish, when he's under pressure, is he the type of manager that could go through people? No, he, <laughs> I've seen it, I did see him a couple of times. I remember one of the times when uh, John again, Greg Devigno, uh, he told Greg Devigno to do something, that he like wanted him to do yeah, something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gregory, typical French, knew everything. Uh, it, to be fair, he played at a good level at Liverpool, and he answered them back. And we were all that because normally be, the gaffer would normally only have to shout at me and Mo, because that, that's the way it went. If somebody done made a mistake, it was me and Mo to go to blame for it. So we we knew that. So we, it, was, it was like looking water off a duck's back. Once it happened, once it was happening all the time. So me and him could deal with it. But I mean, obviously Greg Davignell, phone lad, uh, French kind of a. Arrogant, but good, good boy, and uh, he, he danced them back, and the gaffer went mental, and then he danced them back again, and he started. He actually got up to walk towards him. <laughs> I was like, oh, "What's happening here?" And Big Egg just grabbed him in about the throat and pinned him against the wall, and I was like, "Oh no, don't hit him!" But he never. He just. He must have just got a realization that this could be my job here, and and stopped. But that that's the only time I've ever seen him like that. Uh, did you expect to start the Scottish Cup final? No. <laughs> It's always in your steam, isn't it? Uh, I know. <laughs> no, the, the, thing, the thing that week was, after winning the league, uh, every year after the, the last league game on the Monday, used to have the sponsored dinner. Uh, so the gaffer thought it would be a good idea to train it. I think it was four o'clock. And then everybody got on the bus and we'll go straight to the hotel. So we were we group of five plus, I think Morris Ross turned up. So the sixes decided to go to the Camp of Volts. And uh, we're sitting in there, and uh, the gaffer's phoned Fergink, it was, and he's blanked it. So then at that time, our agents were John Viola. He was sitting, he was drinking. So the cha- he's phoned the chairman and said to the chairman, Look, boys obviously been out last night, won the league. Uh, a couple of them are struggling, they're having a couple of cures in there. So the chairman's like, Look, I don't give a shit. If they don't turn up for training, make sure they're at the sponsor dinner. So this was like fucking one o'clock in the afternoon. Sponsored dinners not until night time. So we've turned up absolutely, absolutely fucking stinking a baby. Uh, jumped, it wasn't yours, it was a guy that owned one of the, the pubs through there. 
had a big massive Rolls Royce and uh, he's like I'll get you dropped off lads so we've all jumped to it ties hanging everywhere jumped out of this blue Rolls Royce everybody's like what the fuck's happening here so the gaffers went off he's not with us in front of everybody find us off or no turn up at training uh, made it known to all the fans that we were all getting fined and stuff so you were like oh, fuck it doesn't matter we just won the league it's no big thing so I'm thinking to myself right, I'm taking the blame for that because I was the youngest uh, I'm taking the blame uh, I'm just taking the chin mark. The next, so the next day, it, we were getting, it was after Newman's leaving do. So we went back to the camp of Volks again. Now this time, Craig Moore's misses, uh, Fergie's misses, Kevin Muscat's misses were away, so he was all right, and the rest of us were all young. Their misses weren't even really boring. So we went back to the camp of Volks, but this time we knew that their misses were out looking for them. So we were doing a pub crawl all the way around yeah. Bordeaux, and uh, they couldn't find us. And, uh, one of the boys had phoned up and says, look, they're, they're definitely looking for you, you need to watch what you're doing. So, <laughs> we're sitting, Griggsy was there and all, we're sitting, uh, the, you would never write this, me and Griggs are playing the, the puggy machine. At that time, the camp of Volks had a wee pool table on the back. So the next minute, the door gets kicked in and Fergie's missus knows his missus. Walked in, everybody's happy as Larry, having a laugh and a joke. And all you heard was, bang! And it was Aussie's missy slapped him in front of all the boys. So first one out, Kevin Muscat, there was a taxi waiting outside, ready to go to Arthur's leaving do. Kevin Muscat's jumped in the front. I've jumped on the other side. No, I, took, I tell I, Stevie Hughes had jumped on the other side. Me and Greg had jumped about because he just won the jackpot in the machine. <laughs> so we've picked up all the coins and they're going, they're going round one by one. It was sitting in there, going after nut with them. So ran out. I swear it was, it was like a film. Guy's legs were dangling out the, the windows and all that. So we've jumped in the taxi, went to the do. And uh, of course, the two never showed up, they get dragged to him. <laughs> and, uh, but it was mental. And yeah. then, obviously, after that, I think that was, woke up on the Wednesday. We were off on the Wednesday, and then we trained on the Thursday and Friday for the game on the Saturday. So when did he tell you you were starting? Friday? No, to the game, the day of the game. I just turned up like a normal game. Stayed at the hotel the night before, turned up at the game, and he read the team out when I was playing. But the, the thing was, even though there was only us ones that were on the drink that, it, Mikey Moles, who'd never drank, uh, Ronald De Boer, everybody was, their legs had gone. Mm-hmm. So we were struggling for the fit, the struggling boys, the doc had had to get the Yoralite or something, it was the salt tablets. Mm-hmm. And it was roasting hot as well, so it was fucking, it was a nightmare. And uh, I think Mikey Moles came off at half time, heat exhaustion. Uh, somebody else came off just after. So we, did, we ended up didn't have any subs. I broke a bone in my foot, couldn't run. Neil McCann had done his hamstring, had a strap on his, his hamstring. <laughs> we, were, we were struggling, and then obviously Big Ammo stepped up in the last couple of minutes and scored. That gave us something to hang on to. Was that a game of proper toil, huh? Oh, we knew, we knew we were hanging in because we started off no bad, to be fair, and then after about 10 minutes, I think Big Gavin, we hit the post. And then we were like, oh, fuck's sake. And they were just constantly on tapis, couldn't get a breath or couldn't get a touch of the ball. And then I'm like, shit, we're in trouble here. Fergie actually said to me in the middle of the park, we're in trouble here. And I'm like, fucking no. <laughs> yeah, but we hang in. And uh, then they started bringing Nacho over on a bit of pace, which was even worse. And uh, as I say, we just managed to hang in and then I almost scored for a set piece. Was that going through your head? Imagine when you lost the treble here. Aye. And then it, obviously it would, have got, it would have got looked back to the, the drinking. Mm-hmm. And, but even... even so you see, when you're playing, you're shitting yourself a wee bit. Nah, we won the... It was, 
when you're playing, you're not thinking about that. We're just thinking, obviously, we were struggling in the game. Never, like Dundee, obviously, we had that game in them at three each. So we knew that it was going to be a hard game. But uh, we thought, a cup final, they'll, they'll get nervous and they'll, they'll no turn up. How rang we then? <laughs> Ten minutes into the game, we're all the place. But uh, it was, it was, and it was a special day because it was big. It was big ammo in uh, after Newman's last games, so uh, it was a wee bit special. And then final whistle goes. One of the treble were Rangers. One of the best days of your career. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Straight it was, back it was on the, the same again. It was like the week before. It was just relief, pure relief. I think I even hit the ground. Thing, how the fuck did we get through that? There? Couldn't really walk. I'd broke a, I didn't know I'd broke a bone in my foot at that time. I just thought I was kicked. Uh, couldn't walk. I'd, really, the doctor gave me tablets, so I couldn't really. Wasn't even really interested in drinking much that night because I was still struggling for the week before. You still uh, managed it. I still managed a couple. Of I. <laughs> but it was just. Was your family not here? Ah, they were at the game. I. Brilliant. They delighted. I. I never spoke to them. It was. It was mental. It was like you get text messages or something, but I never really, I was never one for phoning people and saying how drink I done or that, or that shit, I was never like that. But uh, it was good for them to be there, obviously it's an experience for them coming to, seeing their son playing a, a cup final and winning the treble. See after that, would Alec be angry with the performance or was it just, was that all forgotten about? Nah, that was, that, was, that was done, it was part of the time, that was the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously for him as well, it's, it's never, it's really done, I know Celtic have done it, uh, twice in the last two years, but the treble was hard to come by. And for him to date in his first full season was unbelievable for Are you still proud of that? You're part of that team that done that? Mm-hmm. Aye. Well, any, any team that does a treble which, and people that are part of it will be proud. But uh, for me, he's a, a, wee, a wee guy coming for the East End of Glasgow. Uh, playing in games like that is, is unbelievable. See, every, everyone I spoke to about you always say you were underrated. That, that ever bothered you? That you never really got the credit you deserved? Nah, I, I probably blame myself for that, to be fair. Why? Because I think, did I do enough when I was at Rangers? Obviously I played, I could probably have played more games if I'd done, if I'd put my head to it more. Uh, it was young, you, it was, you're taking, you, you've got to remember that the nine in a row team were all bevying, so we're obviously coming up through that, thinking that we can do the same. Don't get me wrong, we, we gave it a good go, but every Tuesday, Saturday, the boys were out drinking, and it, and it was, that was the, the thing as well. They also had a, a great team spirit, and that team, even though there was a lot of foreigners in it, there was a great team spirit. And even though they didn't drink, the boys would always be there at night, nights out. And, uh, and that's what goes through most of it. Uh, some great memories as well, mate. Uh, just, you mentioned them there, Arthur Newman, <coughs> we've had them on. What a top man, eh? <laughs> well, Arthur was one, of, he was one of the hardest ones on, on the players, the Scottish ones especially, because he came and never really drank. He, he didn't drink. Uh, but once he had... The thing we offered, nobody really knew what was happening when we left because he was, they'd offered him a, like a pay-as-you-play contract or something. We knew that, we didn't know what sort of money they were offering him. And obviously he didn't think it was acceptable, so he never, he never came back. But we, we still thought, fuck, he's going to come back at some point, he'll miss it after two weeks and then he'll come back. But he never ever did, he's, you know, the Dutch are like that. If, they, if they've got something in their mind, they'll, they'll no change it. So he said that he, was, he would never come back. And I think because of the way that he went out, then he never really pursued another club or anything, mm. even though they had offers. But I can remember meeting Arthur a couple of weeks after he chucked it, and I've never seen a more drunker guy in all my life <laughs> than him. And I was like, what's happened to you? He just found, like, drink. Mm-hmm. 
and I don't know if it was like really Even fast or mm-hmm. well ever finishing his career just having tried to have a drink but Jesus Christ the, the change in the guy was unbelievable <laughs> he's actually went and got more power with <laughs> a couple of drinks brilliant uh, right uh, Barry leaves in 2003 when he left did you think that's me I'm going to step into his his role no no never I never never thought that I was ever going to be like playing like the way he did stepped in and played every week in week out I just always had something in the back of my head that the club were always going to bring something in. So, and as I said earlier, every day in tune I used to fight for my place. I knew that if I, if I performed in training, always had a chance at the weekend to play. But I never ever, never ever had it in my head that I was going to... Would you never go to Manhattan and say, why am I not the guy that plays every week? I did, I, I can remember, I'm not, I'm not, obviously I don't know, there was a couple, but I remember there was a time in big Kiriakos wasn't playing so great. And I'd said to the gaffer, look, why, why am I not playing instead of him? He said, I've been doing well when I've played, and he's like, he said, no, I can't, I can't argue with that. He said, but we've, we've just paid two and a half million for him. And I'm thinking, what the fuck's that going to do with mm-hmm. But, as you know, the fans start getting on managers' cases if they're not playing their favourite players. So you can understand the, the, the pressure they're under to play the players that they're paying big money for. But it was frustrating for me. Is that the hardest thing about coming through a, a, a team like Rangers? That the bigger players, the most expensive players, will play ahead of you. Aye, always, especially. I'd say probably most sort of Rangers because they, they always had uh, the fans and that will still be there now. Even the, the foreign lads will still they'll still get all the or the strip their names on the back of the strips and things like that because they're foreigners. Uh, and it was the same when Amarillo came to Rangers. He was the big name on the back of the strips, even though Fergie was a better player every week. Or who else would have, like, Stephen big George Hughes Alberts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Hughes played a big part. Never, he was always... It was, we were the scapegoats, basically. Would you speak about that amongst yourselves, the young lads, and say how frustrating it was? No, nah, no. Nah, nah, because you had to take it in the chin. It was... Mm. It, was uh, it was frustrating at times, because I can remember playing a game against Motherwell, and, uh, and to be fair, I was having a shiter. <laughs> and uh, I got, he took, Big Alec took me off. And I can remember, I didn't know... When I was walking off, I could hear booing and stuff. And I didn't know if it was for me coming off or for the guy that was coming on. So I took it, it was for me coming off. And I grabbed the, my the top jacket and I was fucking... know that, because I was raging. Which, it's just one of these things. But uh, after it, the best thing that he'd done, he, he took me away for a couple of weeks. Like, never got me involved in it. Because he knew that I was hurt. Uh, and then it was, a be- it was the best thing for me, because then I knew that... I've, as I say, I had to turn up at training every week and I had to perform because I knew if I got in that team that I had to play on a Saturday to make sure that I wasn't getting two or three fans booing. Because mm-hmm. it, it was the same every, but there was all, there's always people that don't like you. Did you find that hard when you got booed and got a bit of stick for fans? No, because it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just me. Like, it, didn't, it didn't bother me, no. It's, it's pass and pass of the games. You get people that like you, you get people that don't like you. But there was people booing Fergie. Fergie was getting play of the year for two years running. Like the SFA player of the year, player's player, and there was Rangers fans booing him, so yeah, they were never happy. They said, as I say, it was always the Scottish boys were the scapegoats. Alan Hutton got it, Charlie Adam got it, Stevie Hughes got it, Mo got it. It's just, it's just something you grow up and you take in yeah. the chin. See that period that Barry was away and you went and played in the middle of the pitch? You had a, I think you had a, a decent run on the team. Do you think that was your best time performances at Rangers? Aye. Said, it's, aye, probably playing wise, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You enjoy it? It was my first probably, I loved it. So I knew that that was, even though I got brought up playing centre-half, I wanted to play now because I knew I got on the ball more and I could... Spread it a bit. I, could, uh, I knew I was decent at passing, so getting in that area, anywhere in the opposition half, I knew I could, even with a 40-yard like pass, I knew I could hurt them. Uh, obviously, every time it didn't work, but it started off, uh, and I think that Alec Ray signed as well, so I knew that when like, players like that were signing, and it wasn't going to be so easy just to step into Barry's shoes. Uh, but that, that's the way it was. As soon as somebody left, there was somebody brought in. It was like, uh, if no, it obviously was never going to be somebody that's going to be the same with Barry Ferguson, but Alec Ray was a, a decent substitute for him. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy, Alec Ray, as well, isn't he? Yeah, he is good. He was, I think he got, he got put in his place when they came up because obviously he'd been doing England for a wee bit, and uh, he came in with a, like, the wee cheeky chap. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was... I can remember talking about money and we were like, what the fuck? who gives a fuck about money? It's, you're not playing down in England now, you're playing here. And I think after that, he must have went, for fuck's sake. Uh, kind of a, but he was, oh, he's, you see him, he's been on here as well, he's a good laugh. Uh, so always get great, great stories to so, tell. Yeah. Right, mate, we're going to go to Helicopter Sunday. What a title race that was. How, <laughs> see, the end of that season, how draining was that? Which, it was the same. Similar to the... Similar to the... The, 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 the one I uh, it was totally different because we expected to win the Dunfermline game. Going to Hibs, well, like that, well, they were they were trying to get into Europe. We knew that they, were, they had. I think they had to get a. It was either if we won, they they, they couldn't take a down, or else the goal difference would take them. Take them out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They would do it. So we knew that they were going to sit back, uh, and we were we were expecting Celtic to go and beat Motherwell as well. So for us to score, and then. It was just basically a game of possession for both teams. It named the, we knew we were one and they knew that they were in Europe. And then uh, Big Bully Thompson was behind the dugout and he's chatting and everybody's like, fuck off. And he's like, no, he's chatting. He's like, mother wolf scored. And you're like, fucking good one. And the next minute, behind the, the goal erupts. Mm-hmm. Everybody's jumping about. But I, I, I didn't, at that point, we won the... We didn't win the league, was it? We had to wait and Motherwell to score again. Right. So well, that was everybody, they're still no, they're still no there. And then two seconds later, he's like, Motherwell scored again. And I was like, hey, fuck off, Tomo. And he's like, I'm serious. And then the next minute it erupts again. Everybody, fuck, fair give us celebrating in the middle of the pub. Uh-huh. He's like, hey. We, he's jumping up and down on the bench. Like, we, everybody, the gaffer was out, everybody had just lost it. And uh, fair gay Alec Bray, they were cuddling each other, running about in the middle of the pitch. I was like, this is something right here, somebody's at the wind up. And uh, sure enough, I think their game finished before ours. And uh, the gaffers were like, that's it, done. We won the league. And then everybody's like, nah, no chance, because we, did, we didn't have any. Normally, if you're, if you're going to win the league, you're taking boxes of champagne and stuff, had nothing. Uh-huh. Did you J- Jimmy Bell, again? no, Jimmy Bell had to, he, he printed stuff off, but no telling the lads he had it. And it was in the bus, so he had t shirts and stuff. So he went and got them. We went back out, but there was no, there was no beers or anything to get them off the hibs. Mm-hmm. I think they probably stole all the money for that as well. <laughs> uh, but see, it was didn't weren't expecting it. Did you ever pray with Big Marv that it would happen? No, <laughs> Big Man. Big Marv a big, character. Uh, big Man was brilliant. I, I actually, when he came, I shared the room with him, and uh, <laughs> we were in. I think it was Austria, and I woke up during the night. And the big man's lying at the bottom of his bed, and I'm like, what the fuck? And he's praying. I'm like, what's wrong, big man? And he's like, what? I says, what, what are you doing? He's like, I'm praying. 
I says, we're going to fucking shop and I'm trying to get to sleep. <laughs> no, ever since then, I didn't know that's what he'd done. done but uh, he ended up after that, he's like, can I get a room myself? Because he was keeping, like, he used to go up at certain times and pray. And uh, but after that, I felt a wee bit bad because I never knew that how that's what he was in there. Uh-huh. But he, he fitted in perfect. He was... Character. Uh, uh-huh. Everybody laughing. Even if you said something bad to him, he would just laugh at you. <laughs> and, uh, but... He was definitely like that in the restroom. See the helicopter Sunday, Alex Racey just went back to the Corinthian. He said he was sitting and Morris Ross was still on his strip with the medal on, jumping about. Were you there, mate? Were you there? I was there, aye. The thing was, we all had our tracksuits on because we went to Hibs thinking, ah, we don't need to wear our club suit because we've not been in celebration or So we had our Rangers tracksuits on. Goes back to Ibrox after the game, goes up into one of the suites. There was none of the staff were in. But they'd managed to get up one of the bars with them, so we're yeah. getting drinks. And we're like, fucking boys are starving. So we got one of the security guards to go to the McDonald's up in Govan <laughs> and bring us all back big Mac meals and stuff. So by that time, all the fans were getting into the stadium. And uh, so we done like the, the laps and stuff, and then we ended up in the Corinthian. And it was mental because Mo never even played that day. And that's all it was never even, wasn't even on the bench. And the next minute he turned up at the Corinthian with his full kit on, socks, shorts, strip, <laughs> and his medal on his neck. It was brilliant. And uh, that was the thing, big master with his Keep Believing t-shirt on and everything. Uh-huh. And big Tom had things tied on his neck. It was fucking, it was mental. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about was the uh, final season for Rangers. You played against Inter Milan to qualify for the last 16. How difficult a game was that? And- how good if you want to go and qualify for the last 16? Nah, that, that's probably up there with one of the, the best things that I've done. Uh, just for the fact that the first Scottish team to do it. Uh, against Inter Milan at Ibrox as well. They have a top team at that time? I, I don't think, to be honest, I don't think they played their full full right. team, but they had top players, Mihailovic, the two strikers was Obafemi Martins and uh, the Brazilian boy was... Uh, Adriano. Adriano. Uh-huh. Well. They had the... Uh, Pizarro midfield, uh, the boy went to Leicester with the shaved head, I can't remember his name, Argentinian, international. Mm-hmm. They were on, still on international players, and uh, I think they scored as well after for a couple of minutes. We were like, oh shit, we're going to take a down here. Because we didn't have our strongest team out either. And uh, I think the gaffer had put Peter Lovencrans through the middle for his pace, because Mihailovic was, I think I was quicker than him at that point. <laughs> uh, and eventually Peter got through and, and we scored the goal. Uh, and see, that was another one where we were sitting and we were all on the pitch at the, the side of the pitch waiting to see what the score was and I think it was was it in Greece or something or Artemis and uh, they ended up drawing so we ended up qualifying it was, and then that was another fucking mental night <laughs> see, uh, see just in the atmosphere at Ibrox in Champions League night how, how good is it? It was, it was crazy because it was, it was, it's that music it's the Champions League music it makes everybody go, go wild see when you're standing that line up what's going through your head <laughs> and that music's coming on and it's so noisy. It's, I don't even know. People say to me, what, what do you, I know for them game, what goes through your mind? You don't actually think about it. You, you're just that focused in the game. And uh, sometimes you get like negative thoughts going, don't fuck up in the first couple of minutes and do something stupid. Uh, and I can remember more Ross was talking about me. He, uh, he came out with one in the change room one day saying, right, name the dive in, don't do this. Sure enough, Mo first couple of minutes dives in, gives a pen away. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I never ever said anything like that to change them. I used to always think, like, like don't do this and don't do that. But, uh, no, it's, it's, it's a weird feeling. You don't, you're just listening to the music, but you're not really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the same as all film games. There's that much 
If you're playing at Parkhead, you're listening to Walk On. If you're playing at uh, Ibrox, you're listening to uh, Simply the Best. So you're, you're not really, you're not thinking about it. I asked more Ross this as well. See, when you win like a treble or get through to the last 16, do you think back to the days with Bomber and stuff like that? And is it a bit surreal that you've got you've got to where you were? Aye, it was. It, it was strange. Through Bomber, always say that I would see if it was like youth football, I would have that the way I'd still have it the same. Like, no, no so much being the way Bomber that was hard, hard with the kids and that, but like still doing jobs. The players washing boots, doing kit, all that sort of stuff, because uh, it, it it made people and, and it gave it gave them a it gave them a grounding as in if they don't make it football then they know that they can go and do something they can go and do something out with football that get a trade or something, uh, and that and that's actually in good stead for it. Even though it was we used to have to go and like you seen the changing rooms, eyebrows are massive, and in the in the shower room it was all tiles. You have to have to spray and then go a toothbrush mm-hmm. and about and about the grout. It take you like three days to do it, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's the sort of things we had to do. But so you even a big game at the end of the Would you come up to you after it and like would you have we chats about how far you'd come and stuff like that? <laughs> well, I, I used I, I got on brown with Bomber, even still still to this day. Even though how hard he was, I could always lean on him. I can remember when I was playing in the first team, I got dropped for a game and. I was I'd, I'd done not really nothing wrong. I wasn't even in the squad, and I went, "Oh fuck this!" I was, didn't even match training the first time I was that much in a bad mood. So I went noon and I started training with Bomber. I started running down towards Bomber that were training. And he's like, "What are you doing?" He said, "I'm leaving in the squad for the game tomorrow." And she went, "You fucking kidding me on?" I said, "No." And he started walking away, and I'm like, "Where are you going?" And he said, "I'll be back in a minute." So I don't know if he's went and said something to the gaffer. I don't really know what happened, uh, but I, I would always. If there was something going bad with me, I would always go and lean on Bomber mm-hmm. because even though he'd probably go like, ah, you stupid cunt, you gave me petals, but I would always lean on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, just on the end of your Rangers career, uh, why did you leave the club? I go in. He came. Uh, I still had a year left my contract. And I, I kind of I knew, I, I knew what, I'd heard rumours about what he was doing. He was doing like a seven-day trek through the fucking Sahara or something, a marathon. And I'm like, oh no, I can imagine what his pre-season is going to be like. And uh, we went to the convention over in San Francisco. And the, somebody, somebody there had said that he's, he's finished, he's singing, he's coming to Glasgow like that next week or whatever. And the guy said, what, what are you looking forward to? And I said, well, I'm not fucking looking forward to his pre-season. If, that's, if he's doing a seven-day trek through the Sahara. Uh, and sure enough, the first day that he came in back pre-season, normally... I think we started back on a Thursday, so Thursday, Friday will be easy, and then we'll get into it. No, 20 minutes straight off the bat, I meant to do three laps in Murray Park. And under the big Alec, you'd have to do two laps in 20 minutes, and that was a struggle. Mm-hmm. So to try to get three in was impossible. But there was boys doing it, and then obviously if they're doing it, then everybody else is expected to do it. And uh, I had... Just the day before, me and Barry just came back for watching Big Oz in the World Cup. So we weren't in great condition. Did <laughs> you get half a lot? No, I, got, I think I got about two in. Mm-hmm. But see, it was, it was the first day, so I wasn't really bothered. And then as it got, the pre-season got harder and harder and harder. And to be fair, I was getting fitter and I was starting to reach the times. But then it got to the first pre-season game and it seemed, I, know I wasn't involved, Big Marv wasn't involved. I kind of I got an idea then. And then I went in and said to him, 
I says, why, if you're, like you're, is it because of fitness? And he said, uh, you're, not, you're not as fit as what I'd like to be. I said, well, I'm only going to get fit if I play in games. I said, so why no, why no play me in the games and then judge me after that? He's like, I've watched videos of you and stuff. It's no, it's nothing to do with the way you play. It's the fitness that's worrying me. And I said, right, cool. I said, well, it's probably better that we part ways in. And as much as it hurt me, I knew that it was probably better at that time to go because the manager had left. We had all my pals were leaving. Like Craig Moore had already left. Mo, had, Mo was away, Stevie Hughes was away. The only really one that was there was Fergie and Big Griggsy. Boyd was there still. But uh, I was like, it's not going, I don't think it's going to work out. But then he started bringing in training that you can't tackle and stuff. And I was like, definitely, that was the point of me being here. Mm. He'd already sent full bars off in training. Uh, he was bringing in players that weren't, that wasn't at the quality that was either already there that had already left. So, and I can remember then, we'd done a run Monday, and I even knew then that, like the, even the French lads, like Big Daddle Puzzle, wasn't having them. Because uh, we're, we're doing our running, but we're all like jumping our fences and running through bushes and that to try and cut a wee bit off the time. And even they were doing it. Hey. They, they were doing it and I was like, so what does that tell you that they're not having them? So I just thought to myself, maybe it's better that, that I just try and get another club. But see, when you seen all that happening, did you not think, <clears throat> I'll just stick it out for six months and you might get sacked? No, no I, didn't, I didn't want to be there with him. No. I just, I, I, didn't, I didn't like it. It was his attitude, basically. It was, him and Dick were similar, as in they had the same sort of attitude, but Dick wouldn't, he wouldn't cheat into it the way, like, he wouldn't tell you not to tackle. He wouldn't, like we were training, we're in at nine o'clock in the morning training. So you're finished for half ten, and then we're having to sit about at Murray Park because it it said to everybody, right, on you just go home. Like, what do you mean? Home and back in at four o'clock. Like, what do you mean four o'clock? Say <laughs> we're not training at two o'clock like everybody else or one o'clock. He's like, no, four o'clock. So we had, to, we had to sit in Murray Park for that time till we started training. So it was then we're like, it's not happening, and then. The first thing, the first, first game of the season that season was Motherwell at Fur Park. And I was like, the boys are in trouble. Everybody was asking me what's it like. And I said, look, it's no, it's no great. It's no been the same as what everybody, every other season's been. Uh, so everybody was starting to get a wee bit worried. And then I think they drew that game, but Motherwell battered them. And it was because they weren't, the boys were, weren't the tackling. Tackling, uh-huh. And he brought, crazy, in, yeah. brought in, a lot, there was a lot of foreigners. Most of the team was foreigners. Fergie was, I don't know if he played that game. I don't know if he was just coming back for injury. Like Charlie Adams and that came in, he to be fair to him, he was flying that season. Uh, I just thought, nah, this isn't for me anymore. You remember the day you left? Mm-hmm. Was I it horrible leaving after you've been there since <clears> a kid? No, because I had that in my head for probably about two or three weeks that I was I wasn't going to be there. Uh, probably looking back, if I knew that he was going to have that much of a shiter that he did, I would have probably <laughs> stayed. But uh, I, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't sit because I, I sat there, I was wasn't even involved in the squad, so I was sitting in the house watching the games on TV. Uh, I was getting annoyed with myself and then uh, Bolly Davis had phoned me and he's like to me, uh, can, I come, can you come meet me? And I was like, I was looking, I'd looked at the like, derby and stuff and they were doing it at the bottom of the league but it was only a couple of games into the season and uh, Rangers had said to me, look, come and uh, rip your contract up and I was like, no. He said, if I'm leaving then you need to pay me what I'm, what I'm going for the rest of the season. So I came to an agreement and that's, that's what happened. So I'd, I'd just, at the deadline day, so I'd, I had me signed the release papers, met Billy Davis the next day, and uh, 
the next couple of days I was down in Derby. Is he top man boy now? Great guy, great guy. Uh, just spoke to me about football. He never really, but there was not once in the, the first conversation I had, had with him was anything about money or anything. It was always about what, what are you playing and am I going to fit into it? Uh, <clears throat> and basically he wanted me to play in the same position that I did with Rangers in the sitting midfield. And a, a different sort of, like, we were playing three midfielders. Uh, and the way he was talking was brilliant. And that, that was probably, for, that was a, I think it was the first time that I'd met him. And then straight away I took to him. A couple of days later I drove down to Derby. Uh, <clears throat> still hadn't even spoke to him when I just said to my agent, look, you deal with that side of it. Uh, and the deal was done. How did you find Derby? Big club, eh? Massive club. Went, went to the training ground. And I couldn't really see it because at the time I got there, it was at night time. Uh, but she took, they took me around the, the changing rooms and stuff. Uh, I was like, oh, fucking hell, championship team. Because at that time, I, I was only interested in Rangers. I never, never really, never really much notice uh, like the championship or like the, obviously, you know, the bigger Premier League teams, but never really knew what was happening. And uh, went down and seen, seen the facilities and I was like, oh, fucking hell. It was the same quality as Murray Park, even, and that was only just by a couple of years before that. Mm. <coughs> so they, they've already had that up and gone for, for years before, like, place like Murray Park that was built. Uh, and then you came back to Motherwell, back to Scotland. Um, were you always desperate to get back up the road? I was, you know, I was, not But I went and loaned to uh, QPR at the time. I'd, I went and played the first game for them and had a nightmare. Uh, get took off. So I was like, oh shit, what have I done? And, uh, we played Stoke the following game, was on the bench, came on after like 50 minutes when one of the boys got injured and I had to go and play right back. I was like, I've not played right back since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. But in that league it was alright because it was all big guys, we're all battling, it was, it was battling. You'd never really played against like a small fast winner. And uh, I ran and played the rest, I was there for 12 games and played the rest of the 10 games at right back. And done well for, for no really playing there that often. Uh, and there was talk about signing a new contract, and obviously I got done with uh, drink driving, so that kind of knocked that in the head. So the only real option was either to go to like League One or League Two, or go back up the road. And I'd spoke to Mark McGee. Obviously, it was a sad time for the club because of what happened to Father Donna. Uh -huh. uh, so I thought, well, maybe I can go up there and do something, uh, get back, get myself back in track. And obviously, I went up. I wasn't wasn't fit straight away because I'd been out running and stuff, but I wasn't hadn't trained. For all that time that the court case went on, hadn't the derby when I let me train with them. So, uh, goes up, changed for a couple of weeks, and then first game was against, first proper game was against Hibs, and then after that, we'd, we'd went in a run that I think we finished third and got into Europe, so it was a, it was a good season for the club. Uh -huh. uh, somebody told us that Motherwell, you used to let a young lads drive your Bentley. <laughs> uh, well, I was banned, uh -huh. so uh, stupidly, I, I bought a Bentley when we got into the Premier League. <laughs> And uh, I got banned about fucking three months after that, so... Uh, I, Kenny, Kenny Conley, Kenny used to... He's another East End boy, she used to pick me up. Uh, and then I just... It was just sitting there, so I gave him it and said, look, if you want to drive that, just drive that. And he's like, aye, right, good one. I said, I'm telling you. So I gave him it for a couple of days. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was mental. Was, uh, was that a good laugh at Mother or good, good guys? It was brilliant. I, it was, I didn't expect it to be as good as what it was going to be, to be fair. Uh, same Stevie Hughes was there. And that, that was probably one of the reasons I went because I knew that the quality they had in the dressing room. I knew Stevie Hamill, I knew uh, Paul Quinn, Keith Lasley. They brought in about my age group, played against them for years. So I, I, knew how, uh, I knew they were all good boys and I knew that, and I knew they were, they were doing well. 
Uh, and I didn't realise at that point when I got there that like, players like David Clarkson, who were just get, they played a lot of first team games for Middle, but still young, mm -hmm. how actually good they were. And uh, so it was a surprise when I got there, and also we kicked on. Let's see how we go. We finished third in the league and get into Europe. Just the last bit of Mother, how, how tough is it playing against Rangers when, when you're playing for a, another team? Nah, I loved it. Did you? I loved it. Uh, you point to people prove, that, that exactly what it was. I, I, like you said, you don't want to play against your, the team that I, I supported, but I loved it. I, was, I, I did have a point to prove. No, no to any, any football side to, to the fans, because I knew that there was people that didn't... I says everybody had it. The players, they, they didn't like you or they did like you. Uh, I can remember playing and I tackled uh, Kirk Broadfoot at Ibrox and uh, some guy shouted up and says, why did you not fucking do that and you were at us? <laughs> I was like, you can't do one, can you? And then over Australia, man, how did that come about? Charlie Muller was over, was he? Yeah, Charlie was there, but the season before that, the, the, the season I went to Motherwell, uh, Craig Mewed phoned me and said, do you want to come to Australia? And I said, what? And at that time, I'd say, I never really knew what Australian football was all about. And he's like, look, the standard's getting better. It's no, it's no there yet, but it's getting better. Try to bring better players across. And I was thinking about my age. I was only like 20, I think I was 27, 28 at the time. And I was like, nah, I've still got, can still do something here. Uh, and I said to him, like, he gave me, he, I'd spoke to the manager on that, and he'd give me what, what the deal was going to be. And I said, look, it's, it's a good deal, but it's too early for me to know. I kind of a shit myself. I didn't want, it was the other side of the world, and mm -hmm. I didn't want to leave. Uh, so I left it, and then after we went to Europe in Motherwell, then there was a thing maybe Mark McGee, as he gone, there was rumours he was going to Aberdeen or going to Hearts or whatever because he'd done well, and I knew that if he went to Aberdeen, I wasn't going there because I didn't like Aberdeen like, as in fans-wise, no, no, the club, but just the way the fans treated us when we were there. Uh, but he said to me, look, if I get the Hearts job, then I'll take you with me. So I kind of dragged it a wee bit and he ended up not going anywhere, he stayed at Motherwell. So I signed with Motherwell again. And then after about six months, it, I knew that I'd, I'd take it away. And I'd spoke to Craig again. And uh, he's like to me, look, the deal still... Charlie took the deal that I was meant to get the season <laughs> before. So he's like, look, the, the deal's still there. I've spoke to the manager, he's, he wants you to come across. And I says, right, let me, let me see at the end of the season. And then I'll come here. I'll spend a month there with you and that and the family. And, See how it is. And basically did that. Well, it wasn't a holiday because the first day I got there I was straight into training. And uh, they were, it was pre-season so they were flying everywhere. Then after about two weeks I'd signed the contract. And uh, basically I loved it. It was, uh, <laughs> it was different but the, the first game, uh, never seen it in my life before in my life. First game, I'm buzzing because the next day we were Gold Coast World playing so it was rivals. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was sitting talking to us and asking them about how the how the game, how the game's going to go, but the, what their players are like. So as usual, he's talking away, and then the next minute he crashes out on the couch. Oh, fucking big asshole. So I'm sitting there bored, his missus away to work stuff. So I was like, Charlie stayed directly across the road. I'm going to speak to Charlie. So he walks into Charlie's house, named it about, goes out the back, he's sitting there, feet up, <laughs> a, a seat next to him with a case of beer. I'm like, what are you doing at Daft Gunners again tomorrow? <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? I said, we're playing again tomorrow. And he's like, I could drink two of them and still be better than them. <laughs> I was like, oh, brilliant. And that's and what he's like, oh, it was unbelievable. <laughs> Nemda could get the ball off him. 
Even though there. it wasn't, it wasn't as fit as what it should have been, but he, he was frightening. Even at that, he was obviously getting late into his career, uh, late um, start early thirties, whatever middle thirties. But he's on it constantly on the hand. It was it was the same. We were we were tra- traveling, getting up at six in the morning, traveling forty five minutes. It was me, Craig Moore, Danny Teato. That was that was the phone in the car traveling, and. Uh, as I say, you're finished training for nine o'clock in the morning. What do we do now? What do you do with your time? Went for some tea. What do we do now? It was like two o'clock. To the beach? No, straight to the pub. <laughs> Just last question, mate. Uh, how'd you look back on your playing career? Uh, I wouldn't have changed anything. Uh, won a lot of trophies. Uh, probably the biggest thing is I never, never played a relatively great amount of games. Uh, probably through, through getting injured at Derby and Maybe not getting back to the level I should have got back at. But uh, I'm happy with it. I've obviously played for the club that I grew up and supported and loved. So Nemda can never take that away from me. And now the coaching. Uh, is management something you did? Do you prefer just doing the, the assistant to Barry? I'm not, I'm not ready for management yet. It's never, never th- something that I thought about. I love the coaching. I love getting out on the pitch and having a laugh and a joke with the boys and putting sessions on. But boardroom side, it's no, it's no for me just yet. Uh, Maybe it'll come in the future, I don't know. But what's happening now with the coaching stuff, I'm happy with. Uh, we're at a great club, uh, very ambitious, great great fan base, I know, for, for being at that level. Uh, I've got great committee, the committee's great, there's uh, the board and that are brilliant, they all, they all muck in and help out. They're always, every, every training session, there's always four or five of them there, help them collect balls and put stuff away and stuff. So. We're at, the, we're at the right place they know, for, for where we're at. Obviously, both of us are still young, and uh, Barry's obviously the manager and uh, learning his trade, and he's and, and probably doing it at the right place. Perfect. Well, thanks very much. Good man. Cheers, mate. No worries. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.